Hey everyone, welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast show that talks about video game news, stories, and highlights. My name is Luke, and thank you so much for joining me on episode number 43 of Games Are Fun. Today's episode is a special episode because I have a special guest with me today, Adam Beagle, the creator of Level Grind Entertainment. Adam, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Doing great. How about yourself? I'm good. Uh, Adam is... Uh, you're the creator of the website levelgrindentertainment.com. Tell me a little bit about that uh, so that my listeners can maybe go over and check out your work. What is Level Grind Entertainment? How did it start? Uh, give me the backstory around that. Sure, yeah. So uh, Level Grind Entertainment is um, is kind of the personification of my love for video games over the years. Um, you know, I've been playing since I can remember. So I uh, followed the industry for, you know, a long, long time. So it was just uh, a way for me to kind of have my own voice out there to, uh, you know, try and be part of the industry. So um, came about just, you know, one day I kind of decided I want to, I like to write. So why don't I write about the things that I know, which is games. So uh, my brother came on board with me and, and he wrote a couple articles and uh, we did have a little bit of a hiatus there. But now, now I'm kind of back in full swing and um, just having a lot of fun with it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I should mention to the folks here how Adam and I came together to do this show. Basically, what happened was uh, I've mentioned before that I don't have a lot of people in my immediate area to come on and do the podcast. And so what I did was I went on uh, Reddit, as you do, and uh, the group kind of funny I've mentioned on the show before, they're content creators, mostly focused around video games, and they have a really great community. They're called the kind of funny best friends. That's what they call their fans because the community is uh, really great at supporting each other and um, helping, you know, build certain projects that people have going on. And so I went on the Reddit and was just looking for anybody who wanted to come on and do the podcast. And Adam responded to me and uh, I checked out his blog and was really impressed with some of your work on that website. Uh, You seem to do just a a combination of lots of different things. Like uh, you more recently did a review on Anthem, which is no easy task. Uh, I'm trying to get into reviewing myself and to think that you... I, that would be a diff- a very big game to, to have to review. Um, so things like that and, and doing more editorial pieces and providing your opinion. So I was really impressed with Adam's work and wanted to have him on the show because I, I thought he had great insight on the industry and could really add to conversation on what we're going to be talking about today. So Adam, thank you so much for, for joining me. If you guys uh, we'll, we'll bring this up back at the, the end of the show, but please go over to levelgrindentertainment.com and read uh, some of his his posts on there because, like I said, Adam, you know what you're talking about. You have great insight on the industry, great opinions on the, on everything, and uh, yeah, I'd love for some of my listeners to come in and check out some of your work. Um, so let's talk about what we're going to be talking about in today's show. We're going to be talking about the next generation of video games. Uh we had the last couple of weeks have been busy. We had Google announcing Stadia. We had, um, you know, the we're, we're a couple months leading up to E3. And so this is when things are, are uh, in full motion. GDC just wrapped up. So uh, what I wanted to do was kind of have a conversation today about um, 
more recent steps that the major companies have made like Google, Microsoft, PlayStation, and just kind of talk about our opinions and thoughts about some of those decisions that have been made and then kind of transition into talking about the next generation and our predictions of what that could look at look like. We could talk about, you know, what E3 is going to look like this year, when we think the next generation of consoles are going to come around and what that generation will look like for us the gamers. So that's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. Uh, before I start, I just wanted some housekeeping. Of course, just a reminder that the podcast airs every Tuesday on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. Just search for Games Are Fun on whatever podcast service you have and hopefully uh, it should show up. Um, this episode is actually going to be, if you're listening to it, you, you will know, but it is going to drop on Saturday instead of Tuesday. It's going to be an extra episode this week and then so next week, uh, this upcoming Tuesday, we'll be back back to the normal schedule. Um, and then one other thing I mentioned on the, the show this past week, I have an article up. It's my very first article. It's on GamingHistoria.com. It's about the Tony Hawk franchise and its rise and fall, a franchise that was huge and now it's it's nothing. There's a lot of reasons behind that. And so it's about a five-minute read. You can go over to my Games Are Fun on Facebook or Twitter or just go on to GamingHistoria.com and you can give that article a read. Um that's it for housekeeping. Now, back to you, Adam. I wanted to talk about, uh, get a little bit to know about you and your your history with games and stuff like that. So the first question I have for you is, um, you know, how long have you been playing video games? What kind of consoles did you own growing up? And what were some of your favorite games uh, that you enjoyed to play? Yeah, so, um, so I'm 33. I've been playing games for as long as I can remember out of those 33 years, um, starting with the original Nintendo. Um, so with that, I've, you know, grown up as kind of a, kind of the Nintendo kid, um, didn't get too much into Sega or anything, but, um, I've owned most of the, uh, Nintendo consoles and handhelds. Um, then of course, as you know, the industry started to change and, you know, uh, Xbox and Playstations were coming out and the gaming wars or the console wars. And, um, I actually owned most of them just because, you know, there were exclusives to these platforms that I just had to get my hands on. So, um, you know, definitely wanted to be, be a part of that and be part of the industry. But, um, my favorite games, I mean, mostly, you know, growing up, it was, I'd have to say most of my favorites are on the older consoles like uh, Chrono Trigger, Super Metroid, Link to the Past, Final Fantasy VI. Um, but then even, you know, on the, the newer consoles, um, the Persona series, really enjoy those games. Uh, Bloodborne, fantastic, from software games. I've been playing Sekiro, getting my butt kicked in that, but it's a lot of <laughs> right. fun. <laughs> cool, yeah. It, it's... I... I that's another thing is it's great because like our, our I like to play a variety of games but you definitely um, seem to have knowledge in games that I'm not super experienced with even like the more recent games I, I never had a super Nintendo so some of those games I never uh, never got the opportunity to play and then even more recently like Pers- Persona 5 I played but then I <laughs> I was just like this game is really really long oh um, my gosh yeah. <laughs> yeah and so I eventually um decided to to take a break from that and then i've tried to get into souls like games and i'm just like i get my butt kicked and i know that's the point of the game but i just can't handle it so um if you could name one game as your favorite game of all time what would it be that is such a tough question um (laughs) 
but I, I gotta uh, I gotta go with Super Metroid. Nice, it's just uh, just a really great game. Um, so I actually kind of I play it at least once every year. It's short enough that you can you can play it in one sitting, and it's just uh, just really well polished game. Nice. Are you a fan of like the more recent Metro games, like Metroid Prime and stuff, or not as much? So. I I really like the first Metroid Prime, um, but I'm ashamed to say that I did not play Metroid Prime 2 or 3, okay. uh, but I'm really looking forward to Metroid Prime 4, and if they put out a Metroid Prime Trilogy, uh, which, please Nintendo, um, <laughs> I will definitely play that. I'll, I'll play through those ones that I missed. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who, I, I'm waiting. Obviously, Metroid Prime 4 ended up having some development issues and it got a little bit delayed but uh, it'll be interesting to see what that game looks like once it finally comes out and how the the metroid fan base uh how how they receive it so yeah um one of the things i like to talk about on the show are gaming memories uh like memories we had from our childhood that you know we still think of uh today i sometimes share you know memories of that uh, I got a certain game or a console for Christmas. Do you have any memories from your past uh, f- that associate to video games that you you still remember to this day? Yeah. Um, so one of one of my earliest childhood memories was uh, Christmas morning. Um, family and I were getting ready, you know, open gifts, and we we're sitting down. Apparently, I'd been asking my parents for Contra for the longest time. That part I don't remember so much, but. <laughs> Christmas morning rolls around. It's the first thing I open. I get Contra, and I'm just psyched beyond belief. Sure, yeah. Um, forget the other presents. I don't care. I ran downstairs to where the Nintendo was, popped in Contra, and started playing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, that was that was just a good time. That's awesome. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of us gamers out there, especially if we we gamed when we were kids. That. Um, like games on Christmas, like they they were above all other presents, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely yep. can relate to like, uh, I, I like I'm a bit younger than you, but one game that came to mind uh, that was very similar to that is Prince of Persia: Sands of Time on the mm-hmm. the PlayStation Two. I got same thing. I opened it and went downstairs and played. I don't know. I think I left presents under the tree still because I was just so excited <laughs> to play it. Um. Talking about more more current, what kind of games are you uh, looking forward to in the future here? Some maybe some upcoming games that uh, still have not been released that you're you're anticipating. Yeah, I got quite a few of them. So we already talked about Metroid Prime Four. Right. Um, super looking forward to that. But um, Animal Crossing, totally nice. looking forward to that. Totally it's a great series. Uh, Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, that <laughs> when it, was just, when it eventually comes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when they announced that, I just I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, it's the one thing that you know everyone kind of wanted, but we all I think collectively knew was never going to happen, and then it is happening eventually. So that was really cool. Um, but also uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Yes, um, looks absolutely incredible. Ghost of Tsushima and. Um, Kind of a smaller title I'm really looking forward to. Not sure if you've seen anything on it. It's called Indivisible. Um, no, and it I don't is, think I'm familiar. It is a... Uh, so it it looks a lot like, from what I saw, the coverage I saw from E3 last year, is it's, it's sort of a platformer, 
but the enemies that you see on the screen, you actually go into turn-based battles with. Okay. Uh, so it does. It's it's sort of a platformer with traditional RPG elements to it. Interesting. Okay. Um, but the the art style on it is just beautiful. From what I've seen, there's there's a lot of playable characters. Looks like there's some uh, some interesting strategy elements to it in terms of the combat, and um, it just looks like a really solid game. So I'm really looking forward to that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've not. I don't think I've heard it, heard of that title. So I'll have to to make a note of that to check that out after the show. Um, and last question for you before we move on. What does your, your gaming future look like? You obviously have Level Grind Entertainment. You have that going for you. Um, do you have any like future aspirations of getting into like game journalism or anything to do with the gaming industry? Or are you just, uh, yeah, anything, anything in kind of relating to that? Yeah, I mean, I would really like to see Level Grind uh, turn into sort of its own platform, um, to just kind of keep expanding on that, maybe eventually get into, uh, you know, doing some of my own podcasts and kind of, uh, you know, video features, things like that. But, um, you know, for now, it's definitely going to be a lot of just continue writing and, and kind of uh, expressing my thoughts and opinions in a written format. Um, if it is something that maybe kind of is a stepping stone into uh, the industry, you know, working for uh, you know, like a journal, uh, games journalism company, like I'm definitely open to that too. Sure. Just, um, you know, definitely want to, want to be in the industry. Um, I just, there's just a lot to love about it. So, yeah. And I think you're like, I think we're very similar in the the fact that we, we both have an interest in that and we're, we're taking the steps to kind of, you know, slowly, slowly work at that. I think with you doing a blog and just getting out there and writing and making content is, is what you need to do, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's kind of what I did with the podcast is I was like, you know, I, I have a lot of thoughts on video games and the industry and, uh, you know, a little bit more than just, you know, playing video games just just as that right I, I and so I wanted to have some sort of creative outlet where I could come and and talk about them even if it was just me in my office recording you know 45 minutes of me talking about whatever right um, I think just going and putting yourself out to, to do that making content um, is what really counts and stuff right so yeah good for you it's, it's like I said um, you're definitely headed in the right direction. I'm really, really glad to have you on the show. So, all right, so let's get into the topic of the show. So I wanted to split up this part of the show into two sections just to kind of make it easier. So the first thing I wanted to do is talk about more recent stuff, things that have happened uh, in the last couple of weeks that are kind of indicators on where the industry is going and stuff. As I mentioned, GDC just wrapped up. We had Google announce Stadia. Uh, so I wanted to kind of talk about that, where, you know, Nintendo is, where I guess Google, uh, Sony with, with PlayStation and, and as well as Microsoft, um, what how that could impact. And then we can kind of talk about what, you know, our predictions are and what we would like to see for the next generation. So uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about was Google Stadia. So Adam, did you have the chance to watch the, the Google Stadia press conference? I did, yep. So what did you think of it? Like, obviously leading up to it, we, we kind of figured it was going to be a streaming um, platform with, you know, their the project stream beta that they ran uh, over last year and stuff. 
what so what what did you think of Google's announcement and what do you think of Stadia so far of you know everything that they've they've talked about it? So I think um, uh, kind of my my thoughts on it are uh, it's it's a good way for them to kind of get out in front of the uh, the idea of streaming games. Um, you know they put on a pretty pretty lengthy presentation with all their features and. Uh, what they're going to have to offer some really cool, um, really cool tech going behind it. So uh, I think it's a really neat idea. And I like that they're trying to make themselves synonymous with game streaming. Mm -hmm. So they're, you know, kind of the first ones to really get out on stage and say, this is what we're doing for gaming. And, you know, we kind of saw, you know, um, other companies kind of have their own we know that they're kind of working on streaming stuff as well. You know, Nintendo has their thing going on in Japan where right. they're letting uh, users stream some games. And, you know, Xbox has mentioned they want to get into that too. Um, but no one's really put on like a really big like, hey, this is this is what game streaming actually is. This is how we're going to do it. Um, so they're kind of the first ones. So they're kind of getting their names out there in front of everyone else. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how everyone follows up and kind of, because now everyone else has to play the, 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 the competition mm -hmm. as totally. opposed to the innovator. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see, like, as you mentioned, like if Microsoft comes out and says, here's, here's what our platform looks like for streaming or whatever. And, you know, all we're going to do as consumers is just compare you know, what Microsoft's is offering us can, compared to Google, right? We, we've, it doesn't matter that this is kind of something new in a new way at looking games. We've done it every single, you know, time that there's been a next generation of consoles, right? We'll be like looking at what an Xbox One has to offer us over a PlayStation 5. And so, yeah, I think there's, there's both pros and cons to being the first to, to, you know, really um, create the foundation of, being the first at um, announcing, here's our platform, here's what it looks like, here's how it performs and stuff like that. There, there's there's pros to that. And, and like I said, there is there is cons with just the natural of, okay, you know, obviously Microsoft, which we're going to talk about later, um, has things probably set up. Um, we don't know a lot about it, but they, they're probably pretty far along the line. But mm -hmm. I mean, even if we look back to last generation, when you have things like, Xbox talking about uh, having, you know, to pay a fee, like you you couldn't just, um, how do I explain this? I am losing the words to describe it. Basically, Xbox was like, you have to like own the license of the game. You couldn't just mm -hmm. let your friend bore your disc and play it, right? right? And it was associated to your account. And then, you know, PlayStation comes around and says, here's how you trade games on, <laughs> on P PS4 or whatever, and you, you hand it to your friend. So it, it'll be interesting to see if Microsoft, you know, I'm sure they had insider knowledge of what was going on with Google Stadia, but if they made any adjustments to kind of, you know, come out. Because one thing I did want to mention is in, that's been in conversation um, with Google Stadia's, you know, conference is there's still a lot of, questions that we have about you know what kind of connection we need what this service will look like for cost and stuff like that so is there anything i, I i'm with you on that that i really like the presentation was there anything that stuck out to you that you had concerns about or something that you weren't 100 percent sold on yet 
Yeah, I think I, I think the, the biggest concern, I think, for a lot of people or one of the big concerns is going to be um, execution. So, right. um, yeah, they made everything look great, but they're also in a controlled environment where, you know, they have optimal conditions to show off the platform. But, um, you know, when you're looking at, you know, a service that requires a 25 or 25 megabit per second uh, internet connection for 1080p streaming at 60 frames per second. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of people that may not have a connection that can run that. So, you know, they might have to run at, at lower uh, frame rates or lower resolution, or they might encounter a lot of latency. And so it's, it, it kind of makes you wonder what, what kind of games are going to work well? Because, I mean, if you're playing a shooter, you know, you can't be dropping frames. Exactly, and, yeah. Um, you know, if you're playing some sort of um, really, uh, you know, a, a lot of games, you know, you play a game like Sekiro, you know, just came out uh, where you need to have really good reflexes and, and react. And, you know, if the, the streaming service isn't letting you react in a proper amount of time or the the inputs are lagging, then, you know, that creates problems. So, so gameplay is going to be a, a big question mark. Yeah. Like, and, you know, we have things like, uh, you know, Netflix has obviously been in the game for a while now for streaming movies and TV shows. And mm -hmm. when we run into connection issues, you know, it's not that big of a deal. We wait for it to buffer and go, but, right. you know, to your point, yeah, that we can't afford that that time when playing video games and then you you throw in the whole idea of online gaming right like the thing that they have to send the signal to you and then we're sending the signal back to them of our inputs and there's a bunch of other people that are doing the same on 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 the mm -hmm. platform it's like man like and i i don't know like i don't know anything about that world and the technology around it but from what i do know of just listening to podcasts or doing reading articles and stuff is like, you know, there's different, there's parts of the world that um, don't have those kinds of connection speeds. Right. And mm -hmm. that's, that's definitely going to impact the, the audience that, you know, is going to come, you know, there's going to be a chunk of people that if that's an issue they're they're just not going to be able to to get on board with this so uh, mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see if google when we get more information about this summer if they have those answers to those those questions but some of them almost seem like the answers that they have for them might not be you know the what we're looking for or the it, this, an answer that we're going to necessarily be happy about it'll be interesting um if this was some like do you think you're gonna get on board like we obviously don't know how it's going to be distributed in terms mm -hmm. of of price but is this are you on like on board for for being a, a stadia player i guess so oh. I, i'll say i'm i'm interested in it sure. um it's you know knowing that you don't have to shell out hundreds of dollars for a console because i mean you could you could play on just about anything um, as long as it has a browser, mm -hmm. so it it makes it a lot more accessible than maybe say like whatever the the next latest and greatest console is going to be. Um, so it's all things that you already have in your house, but uh, you know, so that's great. It makes it very accessible, but then uh, you know, the platform I I can't foresee that it's going to be free. 
Um, so you'll probably have to pay like a subscription for access to the platform itself. Mm -hmm. But then are you also paying full retail price for the games to play on that? Or is it kind of like a, is it going to be kind of like an Xbox game pass service mm -hmm. where you pay for the subscription and get access to all these big games and stuff? So it kind of depends on what the pricing structure looks like, but I am very interested in it. I mean, if it's a, uh, you know, if it's not terribly priced and they do make games, you know, accessible to the players, you know, without shelling out a bunch of money, then, you know, I would definitely be on board for trying it out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm totally in the same boat with you. Um, once, once those que the questions we have are answered, then we can kind of probably form more of a decision of on if we're on board or not. But yeah, it's there's definitely um, some some concerns there that I think they need to answer, and it'll be interesting. Like I know that they have top talent, industry talent, working um, to to create this this platform, but this is also like Google's first real step into the the world of of uh, this level of, of gaming right like right, right. um sure they have experiences with mobile and that kind of stuff but this is this is you know t taking it up a notch and stuff so there's definitely it's not going to have uh a launch without any hiccups but mm -hmm. yeah, i mean it is google they, they are uh, you know one of the best the biggest companies in the world tech companies in the world so if anyone can do it it's probably them so yeah, yeah i mean you got to figure they've they've definitely got the bankroll to throw a lot of money at this exactly. to, to make it good um but just whether or not they can execute is going to be interesting to see mm -hmm. and, they, and they're definitely committed to it like i i was actually I, someone brought it up i was listening to kind of funny games cast and they were talking about this uh a recent episode and i can't remember who brought it up but someone was just bringing out the point of like the the google ceo coming on that that part of the presentation i'm not gonna lie I tuned out because he was talking about things <laughs> that i'm like i i'm not really following but it shows the commitment yeah. that like google's ceo is he even said on stage like i'm not a gamer but he right. he understands how powerful this platform can be mm -hmm. um although sure if there's people in the world with maybe not great connection um it's still more accessible to other people because like you said it's not going to be like you have to dish out hundreds of dollars for a piece of hardware you're just coming in for um what's expected as a, a subscription where you can just kind of play games and so that's going to bring a whole new audience of people into video games who maybe never mm -hmm. played video games before yeah i mean that is a good way to get uh people that might just play the the occasional game on their their phone or whatever to kind of get them into a more uh you know, uh, I want to say hardcore, but kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for here? <laughs> I, I, Just, I, I, I guess I, yeah, a more I, expanded, uh, kind of expand their horizons in gaming. I totally. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get exactly what you're saying. So, um, let's transition into talking about Microsoft because they're kind of in the, the same kind of boat. Um, they, as I mentioned before, they kind of talked about, you know, their hopes of moving to a streaming-based platform of streaming video games. Um, they announced last year that they had Project X Cloud, I believe it's called, and that's basically mm -hmm. Microsoft's version of of the same kind of thing, being able to, you know, stream games over the internet onto your devices um, to whatever screen you're using. A same kind of 
thing, um, but just haven't really formally in you know shown it off like Google has. So mm-hmm. let's let's start off by talking about um, comparing the two. Um, obviously, we can't compare certain things because, like I said, Microsoft hasn't said here's what our platform is mm-hmm. uh, and compare it to the specs of Google's. But uh, just in your opinion, what like Let's say Microsoft comes out and their their platform is very similar. It's, you know, the same kind of stuff. What, like, what would you lean more towards? Because we're obviously, we trust Microsoft. Um, they're an established game company with Xbox. Um, they, they know games. They know video games. They've been pushing to set up this next generation um, for the last couple of years. They've really been focusing on it. So... Let's talk about that. What do you think about Microsoft uh, getting their, throwing their hat in the ring of streaming video games? So I think um, so they're, they kind of have to, whatever they were planning to, to show off, they kind of have to up their game a little bit. Because what Google showed, again, if it all works out, Stadia is going to be a really uh, robust platform. So um, Microsoft has to make sure that they're not already behind in in the capabilities and the technology of it but um you know we know microsoft they're a huge company they have a large bankroll of their own they can throw money at this um and and with that they're using uh, microsoft's cloud system azure so i mean they do kind of already have that infrastructure in place Mm -hmm. um so you know they might be able to do more with uh you know, with maybe a little bit less, but yeah. how can they bring that to every device in someone's household? Like they don't like, you know, everybody uses Chrome, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, and someone, especially with their mobile devices, like phones or tablets or whatever, might not be all Microsoft's products. So, totally. um, you know, how are they going to make it so that it's, uh, it, that it's accessible to everybody? Yeah, yeah, I think it, that's the, kind of the the take I ha- had on it as well. Um, like we had mentioned when we were talking about Google, it being more accessible to people who aren't those, like people like us who are, are have been gamers our entire lives and continue to play video games. It's it's probably going to be accessible to those kind the people that aren't in that category because you know they already have those kind of devices. They have a a Chromecast plugged into their TV or they're using Chrome browsers every day on their phones. Uh, their tablets or the, their laptops or whatever and yeah like even thinking myself I I primarily use Google services I mean uh, just like you and you and I Adam are using a Google Doc to for our run of show <laughs> right like we're we're invested in that front and so like it's interesting because Google has that set up that ecosystem set up Microsoft has their own but I think it it just it might be reaching more people with Google, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even like in their Google's presentation of like the the connection with things like YouTube and the Google Assistant being able to, you know, uh, if you're stuck on a level, go into Google Assistant. How do you beat this this boss or whatever? And it pull up a YouTube video, right? Like they can connect mm-hmm. so many other things that we use on a regular basis into Stadia, and so that's what I think Google might have over it. But that being said, I did want to say that um, Microsoft and Xbox, their focus is on gamers and they know what gamers like. And they, you know, it's kind of like the, 
the downfall that my <laughs> I say this, but they they have their own history of maybe misjudging things of like you know when Xbox was announced and it being this one entertainment system to kind of watch TV, play games, do all that. Um, you know it. You, you know if someone like a someone who is just a, a regular person might be able to to be introduced to Google, but someone like us um, may be more attracted to Microsoft considering, you know, we already are part of the Xbox Live ecosystem mm-hmm. or, you know, they they have maybe they, maybe they have some console exclusives that are lined up. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see because you're taking it's it's very hard to compare them because they're both better at certain things than the other person mm-hmm. in different ways that kind of contradict them each other so it's it's interesting i'm i'm really once once we finally get the announcement of what things will look like it will help us i guess have that argument to compare them but mm-hmm. yeah i mean the other thing too um with microsoft cuz i mean they already have you know their uh their games with gold that they do they have their xbox game pass Pass, yeah so with kind of already having subscription-based models they might potentially be able to bring games a little bit cheaper than what than what google is able to do because i mean if google is compounding subscription for the the stadia platform and purchasing games uh at full price um this could be an area where we see microsoft kind of kind of get the edge by making things a little bit more cheaper i mean you know you look at game pass that's what ten dollars a month and you Mm -hmm. get a whole bunch of games that you can just play you know at at, like at any time and and not pay anything extra for those games so if they can continue bringing games at a lower price point or you know not tacking anything onto that subscription then you know, that might give them a pretty significant edge depending on what Google's, uh, you know, pricing, pricing looks like. Point, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I suspect both will kind of have some sort of subscription service, but like, you know, if Google, like they, they announced that they have a first party studio to help develop games with some industry talent leading it. And, but they may, you know, might like, you're totally right on the fact that Microsoft is already doing things like, and I know that the quantity isn't there or or the quality, but, you know, Crackdown 3 or Forza Horizon 4, State of Decay 2, Sea of Thieves, like these are games that are like triple A games that they have invested so much in this game pass and are clearly Mm -hmm. seeing a return on it that they can maybe afford to do that. Whereas Google hasn't necessarily built that up and maybe what they have to offer, they can't necessarily do that. So I, I think price could be something um, that could differ, could be different from each company. But yeah, um, I, I did want to quickly move on to a couple things, but I did want to mention um, a couple things that are more recent. Um, Xbox One S all digital version was announced a little while ago. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, Sorry, you have an Xbox, you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do do you have just what kind of Xbox do you have? I have the uh, One X. Oh, nice, awesome! I, I I wish I had the One X. Um, what do you think of a all digital piece of hardware? We're gonna be talking about next generation. What do you think of the something like this? So I have mixed feelings on this. Um, 
so I mean, on the one hand, uh, going all digital um, makes things very convenient. You're not swapping out discs all the time. Mm -hmm. You can preload things so that whenever, you know, release time hits, it's already ready to go for you. Um, but I am, I'm very much in the camp of, I like physical media. I like being Me able to uh, purchase things. I like having um, the actual discs. I like steel books. Um, I like being able to uh, sell games or trade them in for uh, money or credit. Um, and when you go all digital, you don't really have that. So you trade convenience for, um, you know, potentially getting some of your money back or getting, you know, some nifty collectibles mm -hmm. or, you know, things of that nature. So, I mean, I, I still, I definitely still lean in the side of physical. So I kind of am not so much in the camp of where I would want an all digital version, but at the same time, you know, whenever Stadia comes out and whenever, uh, you know, Xbox's X Cloud comes out. You know, obviously there's not going to be physical media there, so it is. Um, I, I'm kind of conflicted with my emotions, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm in the same boat. I found, like the listeners of the show know that I uh, collect games. I have an Instagram page that is t devoted to posting pictures of my collection. Um, but over the years, like especially this generation, I it seems like every year less and less I'm buying physical games. Uh, because I'm, you know, I have things like Game Pass where I can just, mm -hmm. you know, I don't own the game. I'm just like I'm paying to a subscription and I'm given the the license to play that game. But um, yeah, there's still a little bit of part of me that is holding on to that physical hardware side of it. Um, and I don't know. I I think it's it's kind of cool to see. I mean. Um, I, I, I guess you and I aren't the target audience for these kinds of, of pieces of hardware of all, all digital and stuff like that. Um, but they could be great for, you know, younger audiences who maybe, you know, their their parents aren't going to be able to afford a $400, $500 console or whatever. They can maybe reduce the price to, to make it by taking that disk drive out, you know, pairing it with Game Pass and... You know, having the access to a ton of different games. So I see, I understand um, why it's out there. It, I think it's more of like a, a branch to connect mm -hmm. to that next that next step of like taking that hardware completely out of it and it just being through the internet and stuff. You don't have to worry about um, having that console. I think they're just trying to end off this generation with this this console and stuff like that to help set up the next generation yeah yeah and i mean that is a good point about um you know going with an all digital version to to try and keep price down and you know kind of make a a budget way to get into uh that gaming ecosystem mm -hmm. so um do you have any speculation on what you think the the 1s all digital version is is going to be priced at i don't know i like I've, I've heard different discussions around it and i think like so my, I'm going based off of my thought pattern of Canadian currency where things are a little more expensive up here. Yeah. Like yeah. I, we, we, our games are $80 up here for a new Ooh. release where I think you guys could pay 60, but 60. Yeah. yeah. If I'm sure if conversion rates, maybe it's a, I don't know how that works, but um, I would probably put it like just over a hundred bucks, like maybe at the 125, 150, mm. like I really doubt they would 
price it under a hundred bucks. Um, if they did, like that would be crazy, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if they could get it at like a like like a ninety nine ninety nine, I think that would really appeal to a lot of people. But I think even going up to like one fifty, um, you know, that might be a tough sell because I mean, a little bit more, or if you wait for a good deal, you could get the full version of the Xbox sure, One yeah. S. For... Where, where you could put discs in and stuff. Yeah, I think like what mm -hmm. they'd have to do is really push like a bundle sale with it of like bundling it with Game Pass, which I, I expect they would do, um, you know, give like three months worth of Game Pass with, with it or something like that or mm -hmm. uh, Xbox Gold subscription or something like that that kind of gets them in there so that they have access to a ton of games already and then, um, you know, by that point, once their trial's up, they're already invested and they're, they're paying for a, a yearly subscription or whatever. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting, uh, to see, to see once it, like, once it finally, I, now I don't know off the top of my head if this is something that was just kind of reports of it coming out or something that's been confirmed yet, but, um, do you know if it's like a legit thing that's going to be released here or... I have no idea, but um, I I actually don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I I just like um, I I knew it was something that was it was talked about. I have no idea though if it um is confirmed or not. So I guess it's all speculation at this point, anyways. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But uh, let's let's transition into talking about PlayStation. There was something mm -hmm. that uh, related to Xbox that I wanted to talk about before we move into the next section. But I'll save that for. I got a transition planned here, so I'll save that. So what do you think about Sony and PlayStation? And, you know, they're not coming to E3 this year. We don't really know, like, what their plan is for the future. They're the... They, it, it's kind of hard because they don't have something as big as, like, Game Pass. PS, PlayStation Now is not the the same caliber, I don't think. Yeah, no, uh, as, not at all. As Game Pass, and so... Even if Microsoft and Google's like streaming service, services weren't announced, you know, we can kind of expect that with the success of Gaming Pass that we could kind of figure out the roadmap for Microsoft and pushing this, this service of paying a subscription to play games. But Microsoft is kind of, we're not really sure what's going on, on with them. Um, they're not, not going to be at E3. So what do you think is, is going to happen with them? Like what... Uh, are you, are they going to announce just at PS5? And if they do, like, what is, like, I, I don't think that will work. What do you think? So I'm kind of thinking, I mean, they, it, it's really tough to get a read on Sony right now because they're just, they, they are making some really strange uh, decisions. I mean, not being at E3, that was, uh, that was almost heartbreaking for me because oh, totally. I'd love to sit down and watch all the, all the conferences, you know, um, for E3 and seeing all the big stuff that comes out and everything. So them not being there really, uh, it kind of hurts. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as far as what they're, what they're thinking or what they're planning, um, <clears throat> I, I think our, our best bet is, you know, if they decide to do, I'm not sure if they came out and said yet or not, if they're doing a PlayStation experience this year, um, yeah, I don't think it, there, there's been like an official confirmation of that. So I can't I'd say that might be the best, probably the only time this year that we would see them 
come out on any sort of stage and have like a live, you know, a, a big live presence um, to showcase like their big games and, and things like that. And even then, you know, who knows if we'd see the PlayStation 5 there. I think we might have to wait until, um, you know, sometime in, in 2020 for that kind of maybe right around this time mm-hmm. next year yeah. ahead of E3. I could see them doing a here's the PlayStation 5. This is what you've all been waiting for. And then I, I think they'll probably be at E3 next year to to really show off all the games and things that they're going to bring out for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh and it's interesting that it like if that is the case i can't help but to think that that's that's kind of hindering them a bit because mm-hmm. you know google stadia has been announced they're saying they're not at e3 but they did say that they're like more information's coming this summer um, because there's no real like hardware really involved um, mm-hmm. it's all on the software side this is something that we could even see maybe launched fall of this year i don't know like i don't think they said it was really or did they confirm it was releasing this year i can't remember i believe they said it is yeah. releasing this year yeah. but they'd have more information this in the summer. summer yeah so like i mean if it wasn't until <clears throat> around this time next year that playstation is talking about what their plans are like you know and we know that microsoft is going to be talking um about what they're doing like it, it's it's definitely they're gonna have to play catch up in some sort of way and like I don't know. I don't know if it, what I kind of thought is maybe, again, this is kind of going into our next bit of predictions, but I, I, I thought maybe that they would do, because they're not at three, they would hold some of their, um, their own kind of conference, maybe something mm-hmm. new, uh, maybe not waiting till the fall for, um, you know, PlayStation experience, but more of a show that isn't like, an announcement for PlayStation 5 or something, but more of just like a, a conference that talks about what they have on the go, that kind of stuff. Because like, yeah, like you, like you said, like we don't really know what's going on with them. And it's kind of, I think it's worrying the fan base a little bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, it's, it's tough when, you know, they only have three really big exclusives left, um, for, for this generation, if if they do come out this generation. So, yeah, I don't know. It's They're, they're taking a really weird stance. I don't yeah. really know what it means. Um, yeah. And they are doing kind of... Uh, they're kind of just doing their own thing lately. And um, like I said, it's really hard to get a read on what they're doing. But I, to be honest, wouldn't be surprised, even though we're seeing this, this big shift towards, um, you know, streaming platforms, I could really see PlayStation just saying like, you know what, we are the biggest console maker right now. Let's just stick to what we do best and let's just keep making consoles. Let's let these other guys do their streaming thing. Let's let them battle it out for people's internet connections and everything. And Mm -hmm. let's just focus on good hardware, good games, um, you know, and that sort of thing instead of trying to, trying to compete because we know or at least they're saying they're not trying to get back into the handheld space to try and compete with nintendo they're just kind of doing their own thing and i you know could see them not bothering so much with streaming uh and just sticking with console yeah that's a really good point like and there's there's going to be an audience for that if that's the case like sure there's definitely people like no i want to advance forward with where i think gaming is going and stuff but there's also tons of people that just like, you know, what 
gaming has been for how many years and they want to just continue that right um, and of course if that is the case you know as if if they take that firm stance on that i'm sure they'll have to adapt as you know things come up through the the mm-hmm. next couple of years but yeah it'll be interesting the the next thing i wanted to talk about is um pl- uh state of play so uh, they PlayStation had this first. It's basically a knockoff of a Nintendo Direct. That's what a lot of people are saying. It's, yep. be, it's basically that. It's a, a short presentation, digital presentation um, that talks about games. We didn't really know going into it how big it was going to be. Uh, I talked about the announcements and games we saw on this week's episode, but I didn't really dive too much in because I knew we were going to be talking about on here uh, of what we what. I thought about it, and Adam, obviously, I want to know what you thought about it. So we saw the presentation. What did you think of it? So I actually had to watch it twice. Um, okay. First, I watched it um, as it aired, you know, the first time around. And um, by the end of it, the the entitled gamer in me said, I don't I don't want any of this. <laughs> no, totally, yeah. So, uh, so I, I had to watch it again with a little bit more open mind and... Um, Seeing it now, it it like you said it. I mean, it's it's like a Nintendo Direct knockoff. And mm-hmm. in to to, I guess analyze it even further is that it was almost more of like a like how Nintendo has their Nindies directs. Mm-hmm. It was almost more like that because the majority of games that they showed were Nindies, aside from uh, Days Gone, Mortal Kombat, and Crash Team Racing. Uh, everything was pretty much in an in indie game. So it, um, so I kind of had to look at it through that lens is that this is not like, it's not a direct comparison to a Nintendo Direct, like yeah. a full Nintendo Direct, but maybe more so to comparable to like a Nindies Direct. Something and it would have been, uh, it would have been nice if they maybe gave that expectation ahead of time, um, for the people that, that were planning sure. on tuning in, yeah. um, you know, they were probably expecting like, a full direct, whereas they kind of got like this little more of an indie presentation, um, which felt a little lifeless. Um, you know, they, it, it was almost, very, it was very businesslike. It's, mm-hmm. you know, here's a slide, here's a little description, here's a trailer. And that was it. There wasn't really any personality between, uh, between the showings of the game. Mm-hmm. So, um, and in, in the second, you know, kind of looking through things in a different lens, the second time I watched it, um, I appreciate it a little bit more. Um, I get that they're really trying to to lean into the the VR experience that they have, which is fine. I'm not really into VR, so it doesn't really speak to me. But yeah. um, they did have a lot of something for for everybody in that. So in that regard, you know, it, it actually it wasn't too bad. I just had to kind of look at it a, a little bit differently because, like I said, the first time entitled gamer in me was was not happy (laughs) sure yeah well and like gamers like we have high expectations right Mm -hmm. like there's no room to be just mediocre there there's so many so many games on available on all the different consoles there's so many different consoles we can play on things need to be big to, to stand out and make an impression on us. So I think it, it makes sense like leading into it that we had some sort of high expectations, even if we kind of were reserved in the sense of like, okay, we don't know what this is. Who knows what it could be. We still are hoping like crossing our fingers that, oh, maybe like they're going to end with a death stranding, like re- mm-hmm. release yeah. window or a last of us win- window or something like that. 
And so, yeah, when we, we got what we got, it was kind of a little underwhelming. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I was listening to the podcast uh, Game Scoop, like on IGN. And I think it was Mark Medina, uh, IGN guy, mentioned they were talking about this. And they were talking about how underwhelming it was. And uh, someone else brought up the fact that, like, why didn't they just, you know, release uh, this week, like, all those trailers on YouTube or whatever? Mm-hmm. And... Mark brought up the great point is like, would you have watched those trailers that they did it that way? And the answer is, you know, probably not. Right. Yeah. probably um, not. By making it something like this, it's bringing in more people to come and watch it. Now, who knows what the next turnout may be, but I think it, I, I think, yeah, it, it's, it's something that might not speak to everybody. It was definitely, there's no denying that it was, it was VR heavy um, with the amount of VR titles that were announced and talked about in that. But it does show that, like, um, that PlayStation is willing to kind of try new things on uh, giving new information or giving updates on on games in a new way and stuff. So I think it, it's setting the tone now that we know kind of what these are and how mm-hmm. they're not, you know, these big, big things. Because, like, th- what we were going off of is we have even... the you know, Nintendo Directs where at the end, like we could get like Super Smash Brothers Ultimate announced at the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. Or we even, even the Nindy, the Nindy's Direct that just happened, we had big announcements like Cuphead coming to Switch or yeah. that cadence of Hyrule, that uh, yep. crossover between the Zelda franchise. Like those are pretty decent announcements. Yeah. And when you compare that kind of stuff to what we saw of that, it's like, it's, it's hard to to hold it at that same level. Yeah, and I mean, Nintendo, they always have that, make sure you watch to the very end. Yeah, totally. You know, for that special surprise, and like you were saying, like, you know, a lot of people went into this hoping for like a Death Stranding look, or, you know, Last of Us 2 or something, and mm-hmm. they they didn't have that that big thing at the end, that, that one more thing sort of announcement. Um, so I, I think a lot of people were you know, for as much that it mimicked Nintendo Directs, you know, to leave something like that out, um, I think, you know, a, a lot of people find disappointment in that. Totally, yeah. I guess, that, like, at, at the end of the day, um, we've got, like, <laughs> new information on some things that we didn't know before, um, I guess besides Days Gone and Mortal Kombat and, and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see like what the next one will look like um if they do different levels if they maybe take the feedback of what people said about it and maybe adjust things of like making Mm -hmm. it very clear of like because maybe in the future they're bigger or maybe they're even smaller than this one um and they kind of set the tone for each one of like even just as saying like we have like a 30 minute state of play presentation. It's like, okay, that's going to be a lot of announcements. It's, it's a longer presentation. Mm-hmm. We can kind of have maybe higher expectations for a bigger announcement. Or, but if they come in and like, yeah, it's like a, a 10 minute state of play um, for updates on these titles or something. It's like, okay, we know it's something smaller. We, we're not going to be as disappointed if it doesn't meet our expectations or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing, too, is, you know, every once in a while, Nintendo will have a direct where it focuses just on one game, mm-hmm. and yeah. they'll communicate that ahead of time. So, you know, it's possible we might see something like that for um, for Sony's bigger titles, too, yeah. where they'll come out and say ahead of time, like, hey, it's going to be a 10, 15-minute presentation, yeah. but it's going to be focused on 
this big game that you're all waiting waiting for. Totally. So, um, you know, kind of setting things up that way and kind of giving the expectation ahead of time, um, but then also giving that big name to go along with it. You know, that might be a pretty good format for them to, to try and take. Yeah, I, I mean, I would drop everything I was doing if they're like, hey, we have a state of play on Death Stranding. <laughs> Here's like yeah. even 10 minutes of just like information on the game. I feel like, oh, finally, we we have some something to latch on to of, of some more information on what this game is. But Exactly, yeah. or, or Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'd love to see totally. more on that. Um, before we move on and we can kind of go over our predictions, I get, we're, we're looking at about an hour, uh, here. So I would like to move on to talking about what our predictions are and what we'd like to see. I did want to just quickly touch on Xbox, uh, had a kind of a presentation. It was like an ID at Xbox game pass stream. Mm -hmm. Did you watch that presentation? I did. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, um, I just kind of read a synopsis of it. So run me through what it was and is it comparable to anything like a Nintendo Direct or PlayStation State of Play? Yeah. So it's it's a little bit more like Nintendo Direct than the State of Play was. So State of Play was just, you know, you see the slides, you get a little description, you see um, a trailer. Uh, ID um, at Xbox, the Game Pass stream that they had was uh, they actually did have like some hosts for it. Um, okay. So, you know, the hosts, you know, between segments would kind of, um, would kind of speak a little bit and, and then they would show some information on a game, you know, uh, there wasn't as many games shown. So they did kind of have some, some developer talk and a little bit of kind of behind the scenes things um, or interviews that they, they had to go along with those, those trailers, which I actually kind of liked. Mm. Um, it could because it did feel a little bit more like a Nintendo Direct in that that regard. So um, I, I don't remember all the games that they showed, um, but it was it was uh, I think they actually even mentioned this too. But it was all indie related stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there was there's some pretty good indie games that are coming out, and again with them being on Game Pass, you know, um, and I think every single one of those games was available on launch day so <clears throat> whatever day that they're these games are launching even if even though it may be on multiple platforms it's day one available on game pass um right. probably the biggest one for me was killer queen black yes um which i played the i was in the beta for that game oh, uh, nice. when that came out a couple months ago it was the first time i actually got some hands-on with it and uh it, it's just so much fun so the fact that you know, with me already being a Game Pass subscriber, mm -hmm. I'm not going to have to pay anything extra to play that game. So, I mean, that's really cool. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a good presentation. I, I, I like what they did there again because they brought um, a little bit more personality to it. Yeah, it's uh, it was interesting because, like, they obviously announced it, like, pretty close after uh, PlayStation announced the state of play. And so a lot of people mm -hmm. were, like, drawing comparisons. It sounds like more of just, yeah. like, they, their inside Xbox show, but like focused on Game Pass and the indie titles that are going to be coming mm -hmm. to there. So I mean, yeah, that's great. I love, uh, I love that they're they're doing that. I hope they continue that. This was like the first episode of that, so I I think it was successful. I didn't see a lot 
people talking about it but again it was smaller stuff that they're talking about so yeah um, yeah there wasn't any big blockbuster titles sure. or anything that that would make a huge splash but um in general it's just show, showing that you know xbox is is creating a lot of goodwill and and what they're doing with their services mm-hmm. and uh the games that they're willing to offer on their game pass so yeah, it was pretty cool yeah totally um i did want to uh i was going to take a bit to talk about Nintendo um I did want we'll just have a quick there's not too much to talk about because like uh we can kind of talk about what we might see at uh E3 for Nintendo but there was something that was recently released uh the Wall Street Journal I believe and it (laughs) was uh talking about new iterations of the Nintendo Switch one that was kind of like a scaled down type version um more of like a kind of a replacement for those people who maybe still have the 3ds but Mm -hmm. can't dish out the full price for a switch console and then i think they talked about maybe a version that was uh improved in some sort of way i don't know if you have more details around that but um let's i guess let's just have the conversation of if there was a nintendo switch that was different in some sort of way. What, as a Switch owner, what would it take for you to have to, I guess, buy a new, a whole new console? Or like, would it, like, what, what kind of things would it need? Or would you even bother? I think for that, um, I would probably just, I, I guess the biggest thing I would want would be, um, maybe a, a larger screen or at mm. least like having them reduce the bezels on it. Um, so it could still be the same, same size, but, um, but reducing those bezels would create more screen real sure. estate. So, I mean, that would be a big thing there. Um, I don't mind, you know, if it's, if the screen stays at like 720p or whatever, um, cause it still seems fine for, you know, Nintendo games, but, uh, maybe having, uh, you know, better processing or, or GPU power sure. on it just so that there's, you don't run into issues where there's, you know, frame stuttering and, and things of that nature, or, you know, having to create uh, sort of like with the breath of the wild thing where they had to kind of add in that fog, I guess, to, to allow the game to, to process things a little bit better and, mm-hmm. you know, just creating more draw distance and, um, you know, things like that, you know, if it could just run things a little bit smoother Smooth, and a little yeah. bit more clear, um, that would be the big thing for me, whether or not I would spring for it right away. I'm not, I'm not so sure. Um, you know, the normal switch, uh, you know, seems perfectly fine for me right now. So, um, yeah, like it, it would take a lot to, to get me to get to, a new to, one. I yeah, guess. totally. Yeah. I, I'm in the same boat and I think a lot of people are too, I mean, the Switch, it does what it does, and it, it does it great, right? It's all about, like, the portability. Um, it, it doesn't focus on having these games with, you know, cutting-edge graphics or, you know, a focus on, um, you know big expansive wor- worlds or anything like that uh, like obviously breath of the wild is a pretty impressive game to run on a switch like that but i mean mm-hmm. like you're not going to have red dead redemption or grand theft auto 
yeah. a new iteration of a Grand Theft Auto game running on that, right? And so it 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 doesn't have those things, but I don't think it needs it, right? Like it, the fan base mm-hmm. that play Switch are playing it because of its its focus on portability and accessibility, and obviously the Nintendo fan base. If 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 uh, like for me, I've the last Nintendo console I owned was a Wii. And then before that was a Nintendo 64. And so mm. um ended up getting a GameCube later on in life. But uh, the fans of Nintendo continue to buy Nintendo products because of the games, for, because of the first-party titles like Zelda and yeah. Mario. They don't need, you know, they, they're more than welcome to go out and buy something with that. And so, I yeah, I don't really think there's a lot of people that are jumping out to go get it. I think it's more of just like, you know, it's it's that time where a couple years, by the time maybe this releases, maybe it's fall, we're, we're looking at uh, a couple years, two and a half years um, into the, the Switch's lifespan. And, you know, maybe that's when people might finally be sold on, you know what, I, I can get behind what the Switch is trying to do. And they've had the time to improve that Switch. And so, the, yeah, they, they release something for those new people that are ready to come on board with it. I don't mm-hmm. think people are going to drop their old switch and and move on to that especially like i if i for myself like i i had a ps4 i had an xbox one i didn't buy a switch on launch i actually had to like save up some money and it wasn't until um you know that's the the winter of 2017 that i was able to go out and buy a switch right so mm-hmm. i don't see myself even it like even if it was really impressive and like they would they would have to blow me away in order for me to, right. to do that yeah exactly so yeah, it, it's interesting. I think Nintendo in this conversation is it is it's just the fact that they they're Nintendo. They kind of do whatever they want, and their fan base yep. will will continue to support them because they they stand behind the decisions Nintendo makes because those decisions um, line up with you know what they've done in the past, and they continue to do the same kind of things. So. Um, so let's kind of wrap up the show with our last little conversation here and talking about next generation. So let's talk about, first we can kind of talk, we've kind of obviously been talking about this throughout the entire show. Let's talk about what we think each kind of party, um, is going to be doing for the next generation. Maybe what we can expect to see from Microsoft or PlayStation. Well, I guess not PlayStation, um, rest in peace, but, uh, (laughs) what they could be doing, what they have planned for the future. Um, so let's start off with, uh, well, yeah, just, just dive in. What do you, what do you kind of predict? What is the next, uh, generation going to look like and what would you like to see? Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> I mean, uh, with Xbox, you know, we know that with X cloud, they have plans with that. So, um, It'll be interesting to see whether or not they they continue to go with with actual console hardware as well, mm-hmm. or if they're just going to really lean into uh, the streaming. You know, going with the streaming service. Um, it, it sounds like, um, and I I don't know the article offhand, but it sounds like that there will be another. I think it was like the Scarlet. Yeah, I think they're calling it. Yeah, there's. That was like the the code name for the, the piece yeah. of hardware. So I mean, they, it looks like they are going to continue having hardware, but 
you know, to, to what extent and, you know, how's that going to work with the streaming service? Are they going to be two completely different platforms or is it going to kind of be all rolled into one? So um, <clears throat> that'll be interesting to see. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of like the, the biggest wild card as far as like the next generation. Whereas, um, like I was saying before, I think, I think with PlayStation, I think they're just pretty much going to stick to classic generational hardware of, you know, for the next console, I don't think they're going to go outside, think outside the box too much. Uh, I think it'll be pretty much a, a very straightforward mm -hmm. console experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's so hard to think about, like, like, I, I think it makes sense for like PlayStation to stay the course that they have set and, you know, release a PS5 and make it still about mm -hmm. the same thing that the PS4 was about bringing like, really awesome exclusive games that are yeah. really like uh, above everything else on quality and, and everything. If they continue that, I think that will still work for them. But even like it's hard with Microsoft of like if they have some sort of streaming platform, like part of me, as, as I've mentioned earlier, being somebody who loves hardware, who loves physical media, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard for me to, to jump into the streaming world where I don't, it's just all online. But at the same time, like it, it I don't know how they could possibly uh, release a piece of hardware at a, a decent price that is going to make me go out and buy the new Xbox as opposed to jumping on with Google Stadia or, um, you know, with xCloud or whatever and just play my games through that. Mm -hmm. um, because I... I love video games and I love the video game industry. I'm sure I'll probably get myself involved in whatever ends up coming my way. But it's just, right. it's interesting that like this, if this streaming is kind of the future and the, the big push for things, how, what does that leave um, the hardware side of it? So yeah, like before Google came in and announced this and even when like last year when they were talking about xbox scarlet and the piece of hardware i could kind of like get behind it that it was like okay it's gonna have you know maybe focus on streaming video games um but like still having that piece of hardware but now that the hardware piece is is removed from the equation like i just i can't i'm having a, a tough time wrapping my head they, they really would have to come out with something new and inno innovative that i can't even think of um to to really change my perception on that so yeah and i mean just kind of like what you were saying about kind of having that that affinity for like the physical hardware and and you know kind of think as as we're growing up in you know as people playing video games you know we saw the 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 console hardware change so dramatically over mm -hmm. the years that it just seems just seems so out of place to think that there's there's a world where there's not going to be that physical item exactly, anymore yeah. like there's no no progression of of the hardware that goes with it. like it's all just going to become digital so it's, it's really weird to think about that um and I almost kind of hate to see that happen <laughs> totally yeah like it, it's kind of sad in a sense of like the joy that is buying going out and buying a game, like going to, I, I never did it myself, but people going to midnight releases to, to mm -hmm. pick up their consoles or um, even for like when I was younger, um, receiving 
uh, an Xbox 360 for my birthday. Like that was amazing, right? Of like having a box, opening it up, setting it up, all that stuff. But yeah. like, you know, and you can't even make the argument of like, oh, well, it, like it's so tough because Google made a really big point at their, their press conference to, they put up on the screen, here's like, I again, I don't know the the tech talk behind it but like here's how powerful xbox one x is here how how yes. powerful ps4 pro is here's the current generation here is where we are at and mm-hmm. so uh, i expect microsoft and playstation to match that but to match that with hardware um t- to bundle it in a box and sell it on the shelf like you're looking at you know i don't think we're there yet to be able to to sell that at an affordable cost where we could just yeah. Go over to Google, pay whatever they're they're asking for, and let a powerful computer server on the other side of the world do all the the, the heavy lifting for us. So yeah, and that's that's a great point because I mean you look at the the price difference between the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X, and yeah. you know before Google came out and you know started talking about all the teraflops and whatnot, like <laughs> yeah. the Xbox One X was was you know, king of the hill in that regard. And so now they're, you know, now we're kind of starting to see that they're now trailing in something that was like the most powerful piece of, you know, console hardware you could get. And we're mm. now seeing that that's kind of falling behind to um, this, this all digital product. Um, mm. So, I mean, to put something that can compete with that in a piece of hardware, I mean, you know, if it, ends up being more expensive even than the one X, then that's, that's going to make it inaccessible for a lot of people. Totally. Yeah. Like I don't have, I wish like I have a 4k television and stuff and I have, um, everything set up, but I still, I'm still using like my, my old big black, uh, original Xbox uh, one from like day one release or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it, it chugs along. Like it definitely is not as fast as it used to be, but, um, yeah, I just I can't justify dishing out the money for an X, you know, even though I want one and and could use one and stuff. Um, yeah, I never knew <laughs> like Phil Spencer when he announced the Xbox One X as being like the consoles to end all console. Like this is the most yeah. powerful console ever, and it's like okay, that's great, but we can still do even better than that without a console. So it's like. Who, who needs the console when everything can be done digitally and, and through the internet. But it all, like all of this that we're talking about, I guess does go back to the point that we talked about at the beginning of the show of just like, it, it, it will only work. They say it will work and everything. And they've, here's the proof of concept and everything. But you know, what, what's that going to look like when we're actually playing or we're playing online games or, um, is it going to run as smoothly as we want? Because that could also be the deciding factor, right? Mm-hmm. So it might be one of those things that we'll have to wait to kind of get more information about, maybe even wait to see what this looks like in the real world with real gamers playing it in real time. And if it yeah. is, and if it is, and it is everything that they say it is, then yeah, it's it's really has me puzzled on on the hardware side of, where what microsoft would do or even playstation so um i guess that that pretty much wraps up the conversation um it will be interesting to see what what happens at e3 this year it's definitely going to be different with playstation like 
I, I'm totally with you on the fact that like like PlayStation, especially recently, has been like the best has the had the best conferences at E3. Um, so I don't know, like the, maybe this allows Microsoft to have some breathing room of not ha- having to compete with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but even things like the on the developer and, and publishing side with EA announced that they're not doing a traditional press conference. It's going to be more of a digital thing. Um, mixed with uh, a live stream of like people playing like their, their EA play and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bethesda said they were still doing a, yes, yes. I think that was confirmed recently here. Um, yep. Yeah. And uh, Ubisoft confirmed as well that they'll be, they'll still be doing a conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it, it's interesting. I mean, like Nintendo has, has pulled with pulled out of that more recently um, with having like, they have their Treehouse live presentations afterwards, mm-hmm. but um, they've kind of taken the step to digital and yeah, so it'll be interesting. Like by that point, we'll, we'll probably have more information on what the current state is in gaming and what it will look like in the future. But yeah, it, it's fascinating stuff. It is like one of those big mix ups. Like I don't think the, the change over to Xbox 360 to Xbox one was anything like groundbreaking. Like it's obviously we're getting like if we went from xbox 360 all the way to xbox one x it would be a different story but like there wasn't anything like crazy crazy uh, of a change this is this next generation is really going to change how people play games um how games are are seen and how how more people could maybe be brought into games who weren't into games before i'm really fascinated Mm -hmm. on it and yeah it'll be interesting to see yeah, definitely. It's it's going to be a interesting interesting future for gaming. For sure. And uh, E three is definitely going to be, uh, I think, the place where we really start seeing those changes being uh, taken into effect. Totally. So I guess we'll wrap up the show here. Um, that was an awesome, awesome episode. Thank you so much, Adam, for coming on and, and talking. I think we had some really great discussions about yeah. about yeah, awesome. uh, everything going on. So. Um, for everyone listening, where can people find you, um, on social media and, uh, you can plug your website too, if you want again. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, my blog is levelgrindentertainment.com. Uh, I've got a Facebook page, uh, level grind entertainment, uh, Twitter page is at level grind ENT. Um, and my personal one is, uh, personal Twitter is at AdamPalooza85. Great. Yeah. They, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can have you back uh, here sometime soon and talking about maybe more of the game side. I like to, I, you, you clearly are very knowledgeable on the, um, the industry and what's happening. And I love to kind of get more of your take on video games and um certain games in particular you you have a very wide knowledge across all the platforms so i'd love to hear more insight about uh, your thoughts on certain games so sure yeah yeah so thank you so much guys for listening to this episode of games are fun if you have any feedback on the show you can reach me at the email address games are fun podcast at gmail.com send in your thoughts on the show if you had any um comments or um you wanted to argue anything i said 
or, or Adam said, you just want to be part of the conversation, email me. Uh, I love having conversations with you guys about the things I talk about on the show. So you can do that. Uh, make sure you follow, of course, over on Facebook. Just search Games Are Fun, Twitter at Games Are Fun Pod, and on Instagram at Games Are Fun Podcast. Um, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next episode. See you guys later.